0: Welcome to the 168th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner 4 Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner.
1: And your co-host, Jordan Viner.
0: And on today's podcast, we're talking about the Terps... I don't even want to call it a football game. Whatever we saw on television last night um, from Evanston, Illinois, the Terps 43-3 to lost to Northwestern.
1: Yeah, that was... Um... Difficult to watch, we'll put it lightly. Uh, I'm not going to preview it too much because I'm sure we have much to say later. Um, How do we start this one, Mason?
0: Well, I think we start this one by telling you who this podcast is brought to you by. It's brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. For all of your needs, whether you're hosting a wedding, putting together a luncheon, or setting up a street festival whenever those come back. Allied has you covered tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067, or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, no rundown, so uh, let's just get into it. I mean, bad from start to finish. Well, maybe not bad from start to finish. The Terps' first offensive drive that produced the three points wasn't terrible, but other than that, I'm just gonna say it: there are no bright spots in this game. You lost to a football team that was three and nine last season that has more expectations for this year, but three and nine against three and nine, and it was obvious which team remained at that 3-9 and nine mark, and, and that was, unfortunately, Mike Loxley's Maryland Terrapins.
1: Yeah, that might be a good way to put it. That first drive wasn't bad, and that really kind of set up the falloff we were about to have, because that first drive looked pretty good. Like, lead up threw the ball well, offense looked fairly well-balanced, Jake Funk ripped off a big run. Take the field goal, which you mentioned in the last podcast, we struggled with last season. You know, it was something we felt like, okay, this is going to be a competitive game, kind of decent looking offense. And I have a turning point in this one, which was on the first, on Northwestern's first drive, they were set up on a three and 10, like right away, setting up a three and out. And Northwestern throws the ball for an easy conversion. And after that, just did not get back up off the turf. Next drive, Leah throws an interception, trying to find Rock, and from then on, it just went to hell.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely pathetic. Terrible football, if that's what you can even call it. I mean, I can't really express this, I think, more so than I did on Twitter last night in writing. I have traveled... And I don't mean for this to sound any, you know, kind of condescending way. I have traveled across this country to watch this football team. Not the basketball team, but this football team. I'm not talking about Maryland. I'm talking about Maryland football specifically. I have been in that stadium when they have lost games 66-3. to Multiple times. I have sat at home and watched them lose games 73-14. to This was the singular Worse performance. This isn't Penn State. This isn't Ohio State. It's not Michigan. It's not Wisconsin. It's not Nebraska. It is Northwestern. Northwestern. A place that is an educational institution. A place that has real student-athletes, and there's a large emphasis on the student part. It's just ridiculous, and I don't even have, like, a definition for that. I, it was unexpected. There are times where this team loses, and you're like, well, they you knew they were going to lose. And then there's a season opener, a chance to actually say, hey, we're getting better. You know, people are excited to see their teams back and excited to see Maryland and tune into that game, and that's what you put out? And you expect people to donate money to this. It's just ridiculous.
1: Well, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that up, but I would agree with you. I... There is there is something I'd like to add, actually, which is I don't have the same anger you do, Mason, and it's not for a good reason. When I was watching this game and we were getting blown out again, I was just kind of sitting there like, oh, well, we got blown out again. Oh, well. What's next? Like, it wasn't – I literally turned the game off by halftime.
0: Okay. Like, I so, was, if I – yes. Uh, I actually agree with you there. I'm only angry when I talk about it from a football perspective. I'm only angry when the guys that are supposed to supposedly be running and coaching this are making millions of dollars. That's what makes me angry. I've cared about this team in the past. At this point, they're starting to lose me as a fan. And that's just depressing. I can't see... I frankly think that I could go out there and coach this team and they could lose to Northwestern 43-3. I think if they were coaching themselves, they could lose this game 43-3. Nobody needs to be making millions of dollars here. You can bring in all the players that you can bring in. All the four-stars, five-star guys. If you can't coach, you won't win. Pat Fitzgerald is a football coach. Not a fantastic recruiter, but he gets... He understands what kind of program he has. He understands the administration's expectations of that program, the school's evaluation of what their student-athletes are supposed to live up to, and in that program's mind, he is one of the most successful, if not the most successful, football coach to coach there. I don't need to see this team win a national championship. I just want a team that, you know what, when they host the number five team in the country, which... You're sure as hell they're going to get a chance to do almost every year at home. People want to go. They can put up something. I don't care if it's one-star, three-star, five-star guys. Can we get something acceptable on the football field? Because there was a guy who's now coaching the Carolina Panthers named Matt Rule. That guy gets out production from his football players. It doesn't work out for the first two games of the season. But look at where they are now. They just lost a three-point game to the Saints without their best player. And it seems like we bring in bozo after bozo that can't get anything out of the guys that we have. At least Randy Etzel could win some games. But now we've seen two coaches that are permanent head coaches here that can't win a game. Matt Canada, he got stuff out of these guys. He ran a system that counterattacked teams that overpursued against our poor offensive line play. But no, we now have, I think, three coaches in John Hoke, Scotty Montgomery, and Michael Oxley that are trying to run their system and not adapting to the players that are on the roster. Why are we running a NFL defensive scheme with the Maryland football team right now? How does that make sense? Chime went out of that game, and we're done. That position that they rely on for pass pressure that they call the jack linebacker, which is pretty much a standing up defensive end, they have one guy that can play that on their roster. One guy. He goes down, that position is rendered useless, and what are you doing? You're getting the same run play run against you up and down the field. And you have your own alumni that are in the NFL right now tweeting us out. That's just embarrassing. Why are we running the system that you don't have the guys for? On offense, you can say the same thing. Why are you running an elite RPO system with our players? Freshmen, running backs, quarterbacks that have never played, and you're running the same system you ran at Alabama. You know what Alabama does? They develop players over time. Few and far between do freshmen get on the field. I don't know if it's a thing that we're just going to run this till we run out uh, all of D.J. Durkin's players out of town and bring in our guys and hope it changes. That doesn't work. It doesn't. I just I cannot understand from the football perspective what exactly is going on. Because I feel like we just saw this with the Washington football team this let's take it as a preseason, change the culture nonsense. And what do they get? They get grilled in the media. They get forced to make a change because they realize they're losing their fans. In the case of the University of Maryland, they don't care if we don't root for them. We saw it with Wallace Lowe. It doesn't seem to be changing now. They sent out a letter to the donors last year that this would not be accepted here. And what happens? They lose like this to Northwestern. I mean, that's just ridiculous. They lost last year big to Purdue. And everybody, you know what the you know what the reaction was? And Jordan, you were probably one of the main people to say this. What the hell? They just lost to Purdue? But now we seemingly have taken a step down from that and are losing to Northwestern. A team that was three and nine. As bad as us last year. Write your damn letters, Damon Evans. I don't think anybody cares anymore. You've managed to take a program that does not have enough support and have made people like myself not want to support you. You know why? Because you're not putting out something that I literally want to put my eyes on. I should have changed the damn channel last night. But I didn't. And you know why I didn't? Because I kind of have convinced myself, that these people will move on from my program. And then maybe eventually we'll get some people and players in here that want to play for passion for Maryland. And there are two guys on this team that I see that from. Jake Funk and Chance Campbell. They don't give up. And I'm not saying the players really gave up. I think it was poor from top to bottom. But if you're giving maximum effort, with the ratings and the weight and the height that these guys have. I don't think you lose that game 43-3. to But I'll say it again. And maybe I'll have to go find it because I'm sure it's somewhere in this house. Did these guys not write a letter to the donors last year that said this wouldn't happen? It won't be acceptable. We will fix this. And then this is what you put out? Yeah, give me that year one and a half crap. I don't buy it. You're still making money. You're still asking for your donors to support you, more so now than you did before. Just say it's not going to work. Say it's a rebuilding process. But don't give me that we're going to be better, we won't accept losing like this, and then lose to the team that I don't think when you joined this conference, I think it was one of the only teams that people like me said you would beat. But now guess what? We're losing to them.
1: Well, I uh, certainly can't top that. Um, let's uh, dive into our act break here before we, I guess we get into some other details. Uh, Mason, the Big Ten, in his first week back, certainly had some other surprising results other than Maryland's embarrassing loss, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, Indiana, there you go. There's a program with a coach that has passion for what he does. And Tom Allen and Jordan, I know, have kind of stealing your thunder here. That guy can coach football.
1: Uh, that is stealing my thunder. I've been to- tooting Tom Allen's horns for years. Indiana, I do have to give credit to it. I know we had a really tough one, but this, I just have to shout them out. Indiana is the losingest program in FBS history, and Tom Allen has turned that program into a team that won eight games last year is ranked the highest it's been in 27 years this week at 17 and beat a powerhouse program at Penn State hats off to them absolutely and also hats off to Rutgers
0: yeah another team that brought in a guy that that knows how to win and in that program you know knows how to win and uh, a lot of people are congratulating them and, and congratulations are due but what I will say is they forced seven turnovers in a football game and still managed to only win by, what was it, six points?
1: It was 11 in the end. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State, um, That's a pro- I'm curious to see what will happen. I'll just put it like that because I Michigan State has earmarked for a giant drop-off. Yep. Just an overall performance.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that Michigan State transition right now is reminding me of a little bit of when Gary Williams left the Terps kind of fizzled out, just just wasn't getting it out of out of the guys the same way he used to, which is similar, kind of similar philosophy, similar way, um, regardless, I'm not, you know, saying similar way with all the off-field stuff that Michigan State has been through as an athletic program, but similar kind of drive and passion that, that Coach Williams had was, you know, Mark D'Antonio, and transitioning to that, or, or away from that, it is a tough way. You know, it's not you got to have a coach that's invested in those guys, and, and that coaches with the same philosophy. And Mel Tucker brings in talent. That's Mel Tucker's game, and and he'll get it fixed. You know, he he turned that Colorado program around in the one season that he was there. It, it may take some years, but Michigan State's a program that has recent success to back them up. A little bit of an easier job. It's going to take some time, but I think uh, Mel Tucker is will position that program. Maybe not to return to the college football playoff where they once was, but um he'll he'll get them back going the right way.
1: And the well, there's a couple other ones I want to hit, but Michigan steamrolls Minnesota and I know a lot of people thought Minnesota might drop off, but losing forty nine to twenty four at home at well, quotes at home, that is something that uh does not sit
0: well. Well I- I kind of disagree with your quotes at home. You know, the other team still has to travel, stay in a hotel, uh, worried about all these protocols. It's a lot easier to win when you're at home still. You know, the travel, especially in college, is a lot of the stress uh, that that's put on a team. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. You know, Michigan's a team that I did not really like going into this game. I actually picked on Bruce's show against uh, the Wolverines, but a solid quarterback play can change a lot of things, and that's what they got.
1: And then, it's less of an upset, but still something worth mentioning. Purdue beats Iowa to set their Big Ten West campaign off right. Uh, Purdue, a lot of people liked them going into last year. They kind of fell off, uh, but they made they have a statement in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how much of a statement it was. Uh, Iowa, really tough offseason. You know, national attention in the wrong direction. Uh, Bruce called this one, on again, on his show when we were picking games. He, he liked Purdue going into this one. I did not. I thought Iowa was a really disciplined program, does a lot of things the right way, even though some things apparently were not done the right way. But a team that I kind of expected to steamroll, line up, run the football, uh, do things the Iowa way, and it, it didn't work out. You know, They were leading for a lot of the game, but Purdue and Iowa have played close a handful of times over the last five years. Purdue gets the better of them this time.
1: And Ohio State and Wisconsin both win big, as expected. And Next week, I guess, your game of the week is Ohio State versus Penn State. Penn State's going to try to get the shit back together. We'll talk about that more next podcast. As far as individual players go, I mean, there's not a ton to talk about here. You do have to address Leah's, um, just call it what is, disastrous first start.
0: Yeah, knocked off his game early by an early interception. He didn't look right after it, you know, and, and it was a tough spot. I uh, feel like the team just didn't respond well. I didn't think the play calling necessarily looked right. You're playing against a team that had a uh, defensive lineman, one of their expected starters, opt out, then go down with another injury. Uh, had an er- had a late scratch. That means they had three defensive tackles out, in kind of air quotes, counting the opt out. Um, you got to run the ball straight at them. I mean that that's that's got to be what you're what's in your mind. But I think this whole situation, and this kind of goes back to my, my kind of angst with the coaching. The whole situation seemed rattled after that first interception. Like they just got punched in the mouth and, and were dizzy. You have guys that have coached yeah. for years on this staff. I mean, Hoke, Scotty Montgomery, Mike Loxley. How? I'm just like at that like real I'll compare myself here to Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith fakes a lot of things. I'm actually like that, like rattled by this. Absolutely ridiculous. Go back to the plays that work. Counter-attack offense. This mindset of we're going to beat the other team doing what we want is not how you win games at Maryland in the Big Ten. Maybe it's something you try against Northwestern. I'll give you that, but you have got to know you have a bunch of new guys on that football field. You haven't played together. You got to expose the other team's weaknesses. So how do yeah. you go back? How do you go about that? You look at Intel. I mean, these guys are on this. This is a twenty-four-seven job, or at least the way they phrase it is a twenty-four-seven job. Not exactly sure what they're doing after that. Expose the weaknesses. But instead, we completely get away from what I thought was the game plan. I think what everybody thought was the game plan. Short, quick passes. Slants over the middle. Running the football. I don't know what... Frankly, I don't even remember it was so bad, what they were doing. But it certainly was not the offense that has been quote-unquote designed to work with the talent that they have, which would have been, you have Jay Sean Jones, Dante Demas, Daryl Jones, Rakim Jarrett. Get them the football on the boundaries and allow them to make plays. And then what do you do? Once you start splitting the ball out wide, then you can run your RPO nonsense. You know, give the ball to Jake Funk a few times off the, off that. Give it to Penny Boone, who, who I think was one of the few positives. You have a bowling ball running back, you might as well use him. The game seemed a little bit too big for Isaiah Jacobs, but that's fine. You know, first game. But you got to recognize that and take him out. Take a few steps back. Not make him your kick returner. If you realize that a guy is struggling, especially a true freshman, you don't leave him out there. Especially when he is making decisions like he is in the kick return game. And he could cost you with a fumble like he did. You take him back, you settle them down, say, hey, we're going to get you in in like a halfback dive play. Just run it up the middle. You know, settle in. I just think there's a lack of situational awareness. And I don't think it, it, it just wasn't done right. But at least Coach Loxley said it wasn't done right in the post-game press conference. He didn't make excuses, said it was done wrong. And they're going to have to go back to it. But they don't have an easy opponent next week. They have a team that, whether they lost 49-24, to 24, whatever the score ended up being, they could have lost by a little bit more. Minnesota has a strategy in mind, and they execute that strategy. They have five offensive linemen the size of houses going up against our linebacker hybrid scheme defense. I wonder how that's going to go. Not well is probably a, a good prediction.
1: Well, Mason has activated Stephen A mode, and I can't really stop him at this point. Um, I do have to say, though, because I watched the same game, Marlon did try to hit the flats and get easy completions, and Leah missed a lot of those. Or maybe it was only three or four in actuality, but it was too many.
0: Yeah, and, So and you that's do the... have to
1: factor that in.
0: Yeah, and from watching... The football team, hate to draw that comparison again, but it's starting more and more to look like the same um, dog and pony show, I'll put it that way. If you miss routes in the flat, you'll really put yourself at a disadvantage. You know, when you're trying to run the ball and you only get two yards, then you throw a flat route and, and it's incomplete, then you're in third and eight. And from both of these teams... And now that I think about it, I'm seeing more and more of the same things. From both of these teams, there's just been a complete lack of competence with what happens if that second pass isn't complete. It's almost like they have no idea what to do when it gets to third and eight. If you're gonna run an offense that's based on short completions and run plays, you gotta have in the back of your mind, hey, if this doesn't work, we're gonna be in, you know, third and eight to third and twelve. And we gotta have some kind of idea, especially if they're pressing us and the screen pass won't work. Of how we're gonna like throw a little double move in, like uh, Terry McLaurin did on Trayvon Diggs today. How we're gonna find a way to you know get our quarterback out in the boundary and and allow him a kind of on a slide play to set his feet and plant and really drive the ball in someplace. And Aliyah had that opportunity and he didn't set his feet. He seemed rattled. But that kind of, you know, thinking of how we're going to create space for our quarterback if he's not comfortable in the situation or how we're going to get him to climb the pocket and step in and drive a ball down the middle, that just didn't seem to be there. And if it was there, it wasn't blocked well, it wasn't called, or the quarterback didn't execute it. And I think there were some plays where all three of those things uh, happened. And that's how you lose a game 43-3. to
1: Well, pushing on down the roster here. Uh, Running game, I actually thought was pretty okay. If you subtract the sack yardage, Terps carried the ball 17 times for 80 yards. Uh, Three backs got carries, Jake Fugg, Penny Boone, and Isaiah Jacobs. Penny Boone, first off, was a big dude. And second off, uh, played pretty well in the final drive or final quarter of the game, rather. Uh, Fleet Davis did not make the trip. We don't know why. We're not going to speculate on that. Receivers did what they could, I guess is how you put it.
0: Yeah, six has got to get the ball more. I think that was made obvious near the end of the game. Uh, Jay Sean uh Lance
1: Sean. By the way. Four for four, 49.
0: Okay. You know, and I know there's a lot of speculation about oh, they didn't want him to score. That drive is just like saying, why is Javon Leak not the best running back in the history of Maryland when he ran for like 85 yards when they lost a the game like 66-10 to 10 at Ohio State the other year? I mean, come on, people. Like, yes, Lance, based on Coach Loxley's line of thinking and, and line of the last year, yeah, Lance probably should have gotten his shot. But don't tell me that he should be the starter based on the last drive when our backups are in, their walk-ons are in. I mean, that's like... That's just childish. I'm not saying the kid shouldn't get a chance, but don't tell me that he went four for four for 49 yards. And, Jordan, I'm not really going after you. I'm just saying I've seen this multiple places. Oh, make him the starter. Don't use that number to tell me that you should be the starter when we're going up, when it's two on twos. I just don't like that. Sorry.
1: Um, All right. Elsewhere, offensive line didn't play necessarily well, but I actually don't think it was that. It wasn't as bad as the score make it seem. Is what I'm trying to say. I feel like it looks like they played a 43-3 game. I don't think they specifically played a
0: 43-3 game. Who? Who's the they? Northwestern or Maryland?
1: No, offensive. Maryland offensive line specifically.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, definitely better. You know that's kind of the one spot where I point to you and like, yeah, that seems a little bit better. Um, it was somewhat of a reverse of some games against, and I, I can't believe I'm drawing this comparison. There was a game two years ago they played Ohio State. The defense kind of kept them in the game. They missed a field goal. Uh, they couldn't get a first down on offense. And you kind of get that thought in your mind as somebody that's that's been up close with some of these guys and has, has seen a fair amount of football teams of eventually that defense is going to go to the sideline and be like we're not going to get a first down and then you go out there again and again and again and you're outclassed and the other team's got more talent than you obviously and eventually that damn breaks. This was the reverse of that. On defense, you're getting rolled. They're scoring almost every time. Did Northwestern punted the ball maybe twice in this game? Jordan, you have the stats in front of you.
1: Yeah, I, was gonna, I actually remember that from yesterday. I wanted to see when, in fact, they did punt for the first time. Uh, Northwestern punted for the first time.
0: Probably in the third quarter. You know what it was? In nope, I
1: missed one. Um, It was in the end of the third quarter. I thought it was the last drive of the game for them for a second. But no. no, the end of the third
0: quarter. No, it wasn't the last drive. Yep. So, eventually that mindset sets in, and then you just have all around – you're just taking L's uh, no, all sorry,
1: sorry, sorry, I, I, I missed one. Uh, they punted in the first play, second quarter.
0: Okay, but still, you get the mindset that if a team punts three times in a game, you're probably not going to beat them. Um, No. And eventually that sets in. We can't stop them. We're getting road graded. It's cold. It's dark. You know, you start throwing out all those things, and it's just a depressing atmosphere.
1: Yeah, that's a fair... Uh, It's a fair statement. Um, But hold on,
0: hold on, hold on. But then you go back to their four pillars of how they're going to build a football family. Pride, toughness, you know, all those things are in there. And there's only four of them, and I can't remember the other two. I believe preparedness Mm -hmm. is on there, too. If you are preaching pride and toughness, and you, you know, and suddenly I'm sitting here as somebody that's trying to evaluate this Throwing out the it's cold and dark and we just went home. I guess they're still working on building that football family, building a winning culture. Yeah, I, I would. Well, agree, and, and you although... know what? You know what? It's year two or one point five or I mean, you really. I'm sorry, when you're making two and a half mil a year, you can't say year zero. You just can't. Um and you can't really say year point five. you could at least say this is year one and last year was year point five
1: okay, well clearly that got to mason
0: it, it gets I'll to me I oh, right, boy. hold on, let me explain myself. It gets to me because the man's making a lot of money to play you know to coach football, and he's done it for a long time, and yeah, it wasn't the best situation, but the team was five and seven the year before he took over. It wasn't like they were 1 and 11 in their Kansas. But it seems like we're doing a good job of getting there, so somebody can come in and actually say that.
1: Am I yeah, wrong? and that is on... No, you're not. And that's something I want to revisit later. Uh, let's just get through the defense, which uh, was all of our nightmares that we talked about on the Death, on the Death Tread episode last week uh, come alive. Uh, they were getting blasted off the line of scrimmage on the defensive front which is what I was kind of afraid of going into this season. Mm-hmm. The secondary wasn't good, but again, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Actually, I thought they got really hung out to dry a lot. Yep. They didn't allow chunk plays at least though, Yep. but Northwestern 325 ground yards. Holy crap.
0: Yeah. Ridiculous. And, and one of the simple pointers here, and I'm not sure how anybody, um, I know Wayne and I sitting here um, out towards Laytonsville noticed this. I know Jermaine Carter, wherever he was, noticed it. They can't set the edge. They're getting out of position so poorly that it allows the same pin and pull play to be executed at one point, four times in one drive, and each of the runs went for a first down plus, and I believe ended in like a 26-yard touchdown run. Whoever was on the left side of the line and nine for the Turps did a little bit better job than the other guy that was out there um, at the strong side defensive end, I forget what Maryland calls it. They were getting up the field and out of position. They weren't able to spin back, they weren't keeping contained, and they weren't breaking through. In the past game, they're running a kind of cover four concept, um, heavy zone coverage, which makes sense. Again, they're not there yet in terms of talent. Um, they're getting beat. Eventually, at least in my mindset, and and I have not coached football, I'll say that now. In my just line of thinking and the way that I've seen teams adjust during games and the way that I've heard some of these coaches, and we've seen a lot of them at Maryland talk about adjustment eventually the time comes where we're not getting there. We can't sit zone. They have a mobile quarterback that's breaking out of the pocket and breaking us up. We got to blitz. Blitz and play straight man coverage. And if we can't get there, when we're blitzing and playing man coverage, I don't really even know what you do. But you got to find a way to bring some different pressure. You got to get there. We won't win if a quarterback has five seconds on a three-step drop. You just won't. I can't think of teams that have. You got to get there. If it's a passing situation, the way that I look at this team, they have got to blitz. Their front floor will not bring pressure, especially without Darrell Chime. They're not going to get there. You either got to find somebody that can blitz, or you got to you know send Shaq Smith in, Send some of these guys that are a little bit quicker, Hippolyte, Shaq Smith, Ely, uh 23, Goate, and just send it. And if you know what? You hope that if they complete the pass, at least you hit the quarterback. Wear him down. Get in their head. Do what other teams do to us, but we just that that's not the way these you know, that's not the way the staff wants to play it.
1: Well, I don't know what else we can really say today. Um, this, this is they made a, a field goal, thing. Jordan.
0: That's what you can say.
1: No, this is more of a me thing because someone who's kind of gotten over the years to kind of accumulate a bigger view of program trajectories and stuff like that. This isn't good anymore. We really do, as fans, have to take some long-term inventory here and see what's going on because we made three bowls this last decade. This was the worst decade in Maryland football history we needed to start turning a corner and we need to do it soon because the trajectory here is not good. We don't have anything else to fall back on anymore. We're out of goodwill on a national level. It's it's hard to come back from the brink. It really is. And we are approaching it very quickly. Yeah. This is my long-term overture here. We have two years to fix this. If we're still this bad in two years, it's going to take a possible another decade to climb into relevance again.
0: Right. Um, Coach Loxie said in the video that they put out, which I will admit did hype me up. I, I It was prior to the game. Uh, this ain't your mama's Maryland anymore, I believe is the quote. I wish it was, because my mama's Maryland was number one in the sporting news poll in 1985. And I'm living and with I this. Think,
1: I think it's a good place to leave it, Denny. Uh, basketball season starts in, what, 42 days? Something like
0: that? 32. And... I'm not ready to write this off. You know, I said in my tweet that I'm I'm still excited to see them play on Friday.
1: Well, that makes one of us.
0: I'm not exactly sure, kind of in, in conclusion, what to say about this. And I think Jordan summed it up well. It's not good. Ever since Coach Durkin here, this has been the reality. There has to be a change in the mindset of what you do when you're getting pushed. Because certainly what Coach Durkin did, I mean, what's gone on with Coach Loxley, it's been the same. Whatever Matt Canada brought to this football team, somebody's got to find that because I would sure as hell rather be losing to Iowa like 17 to 3, which is a game that I went to. I mean, I was there. You couldn't even throw the ball. It was so windy and they found a way to compete for most of that game. Find it. Go do some soul searching and bring me back some guys that can find a way to scheme to be competitive. Cuz if you can remember, you throw out, you know, any problem They had injuries on the offensive line. They didn't have a quarterback. Piggy and Kasim Hill were trading games, and both were, I mean, less than good. Tell me you don't have a quarterback. Tell me you don't have a lineman. There are plays that should be in these guys' repertoire that say, hey, we know that we're bad at. I don't even know what position on offense you can really throw at and say you're bad at. Running back, quarterback. Look at yourself in the mirror this week and figure it out. Because all the position coaches, they don't have too long if this doesn't go well. But this thing right now, it stinks from the top down. And I don't really see it getting any better any soon. And you know what? Yeah, they did make three bowls in the last 10 years. And I don't know if they're going to make three bowls in the next 10 years. Talent or not, it doesn't change a thing, if you haven't noticed. They're recruiting well. They throw these guys into the fire. And you know what? If you look at the guys that they've thrown into the fire in, like, year one, those guys have not really gotten better. I don't know what it is. But there's a handful of them, four-star guys that have played since they're freshmen, and they still look like the four-star guy that came in as a freshman. Something is wrong here, and I'm not exactly sure what but I think it's quite evident that it's not getting better and it is getting worse.
1: All right, well, unless we have other Doom prophecies to bring you, I think I'll do it for today.
0: Sometimes the truth does not care about your feelings, Jordan. I think that's, uh, you're right, a good place to leave it. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors for sticking with us through this tough time, Allied Party Rentals in Beltsville, Maryland. Uh, For all of your party rental needs, call Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. And Viner Four Gates in Rockville for all of your business IT needs, big or small. Viner Four Gates right here, local to the area. Can take care of you. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number1viner.com. That's the number one, V-I-E-N-E-R.com. Not exactly sure what to say, Turp Nation, but hopefully something positive happens on Friday night. And you know what? Friday night's one of those games you got to be scared of. National television, ESPN. You think about what happened last year when they had the national eyes on them. Uh, I'm just kind of at a loss for words there. I'm I'm kind of concerned, but... Maybe it maybe it's better, maybe it's not. who knows? And as always, Jordan, thanks for doing this, and thanks for all you guys for tuning in and and we'll be back this week and then again, uh probably on Saturday after the turfs take on the golden Gophers. Thanks for listening.